Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Prospect Macarena uh, for Birds on the Black and for Prospects After Dark. I'm your host. I am Kyle Reese here again on another Sunday night. Um, we have another week worth of minor league action to go over. We have another week of Cardinal baseball action to go over. Um, it seems only appropriate that we, uh, we talk at some point about the great play of the prospects at the major league level uh, in Juan Yepes and Brendan Donovan. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, again, welcome everybody to the Prospect Macarena. I can see you guys filing in. Um, it's, uh, as always, a lot of positives throughout the week, a lot of, uh, a lot of questions throughout the week. Um, you know, I, I would encourage everyone to, uh, you know, I, again, my DMs during the week are open all of the time. You should feel comfortable to ask me questions that way. Uh, but I would also appreciate, you know, if you go into the DMs and ask a question that you don't feel afraid to, uh, to ask it here on, on the Prospect uh, Macarena. So, again, as you guys come in, if you have any questions you'd like to ask, anything at all that's on your mind about the prospects, um, please do not hesitate. Like, the reason we do Prospect Macarena is the hope that you guys get more involved, that we can hear your voice, that you actually have a real voice. And then if I ask your, if I answer a question inappropriately, you get a chance to follow it up with a real answer. Um, you know, before, before the questions run in, one of the things that I, you know, I know is going to end up being a hot topic uh, you know, everybody's going to talk about Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman hit his 14th home run today, his second of the week. Uh, after a couple of not-so-positive weeks uh, for Nolan Gorman, it's nice to see him starting to bring the power again to work through some of the struggles that he, he showed uh, over the last couple of weeks. All positives. Alec Burleson has had a pretty good week. Uh, the pitching at Memphis has been pretty good. Uh, uh, a great battle between Grayson Rodriguez and Matthew Libertor and Adley Rushman and Nolan Gorman earlier in the week on the free game of the, the month or whatever for MILB TV. Uh, that's uh, that was the first home run that Gorman hit earlier in the week. Uh, and then, you know, Zach Thompson pitching well at Memphis, uh, Connor Thomas pitched in relief last night, pitched six innings in relief. He pitched great last night. Um, so yeah, a lot of positives down pitching wise at Memphis uh, Springfield so far now Springfield plays at six o'clock tonight and so far Moises Gomez has yet to hit a home run this week so uh, you know kind of kind of surprised uh, for the first week that we don't have a Moises Gomez home run to talk about uh, um, I have not watched much of Springfield this week Chandler Redmond has had a really good week he had a home run and a double yesterday I believe he had a home run and a double earlier in the week too um, just getting you guys caught up Peoria, it seems like LJ Jones is starting to hit a little bit more. We like that. Um, the, the, the middle infield infield contingent that they have of Jacob Bushberger when he's healthy, but he's on the IL right now, along with what we're seeing out of Mason Wynn and knowing Noah Mendlinger, and now Francisco Hernandez is starting to get kind of hot. Uh, you know, they, it's been a rough go for Peoria. They lost nine in a row at one point. They finally broke that streak. Um, but uh, yeah, here's to hoping that they can get it all together and you know, Palm Beach, it's been a rough go for them. Uh, no hits earlier in the week. We, we hate to see that. Um, and, you know, the hitting just isn't there. But the pitching's been good. Jose Moreno keeps pitching really well. Um, uh, along with Jose Moreno pitching well, you have Inohan Paniagua uh, pitching extremely well. Again, pitched today. Seven hits. No earned runs. Let up a run. A uh, handful of strikeouts. You know, a whole lot of positive. So, again, you know, I, I would ask everyone if they have any questions or any thoughts um you know to please chime in otherwise i'll just ramble for a little bit uh you will regret being in here 
And, uh, you know, we can all go about our way. I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited for a Cardinals game uh, on a Sunday night. Uh, I don't necessarily like Sunday night games, but, you know, it's nice to have Wayno back. We'll see how long he goes. I'm sure Drew Verhagen will be on his heels. Um, We'll see about that. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, You know, it's not exactly the most encouraging thing. Uh, uh, Drew Verhagen, when he was in his minor league rehab earlier in the day, um, it, earlier in the day, earlier in the week, when he was on his minor league rehab earlier in the week, he that curveball looks so good. His breaking stuff looks so good. It's just that his fastball still gets kind of hit even by double A. Now he dominated double A over two innings, uh, as you would suspect. Um, but it was nothing. Uh, you know, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything. I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. This is so amazing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's it. But if, again, if anybody has any questions, that's what this is supposed to be about rather than just hearing me ramble. If you, uh, if you want to hear me ramble, uh, I'll just turn this into a prospects after dark before the Cardinal game and we'll start getting drunk. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to go in that direction. Um, oh, so thank you. G-Dub is saving me. Uh, we are going to go to our first question from Keeping Secrets, our good friend G-Dub. Uh, I'm adding him as a speaker, and as it connects, I'll remind G-Dub to uh, un- unmute himself, and I will say, G-Dub, it was a pleasure to add your tweet into my article about Moises <laughs> Gomez that we published over last weekend, but uh, how are you, G-Dub? Great, Kyle. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. What's on your mind? Hey, so I wanted to ask about a thread that I saw you talking about comparing between uh, O'Neal and his minor league numbers and Gorman, and specifically like the strikeout rates that we're seeing. Uh between the two of them. Is that what's keeping him out of St. Louis right now? Is that like the biggest thing he needs to work on is that strikeout rate? I, uh, I would assume that that's a lot to do with it, right? Um, uh, Fangraphs wrote a great article, and they kind of talked about some of the issues at the plate with Nolan Gorman, you know, one being that specifically this year he appears to maybe have a little bit more trouble hitting fastballs at the minor league level. Uh, I, I, that's something that I've always written in his write-ups. I, I, think, I think he – He's so good at hitting breaking pitches, especially when he can get his hands extended, that the fastball is not – it's more of a vulnerability to him than it is for most power hitters, which is part of what makes him a unique power hitter. Um, of course, the slider or big curveball down and in in the zone, uh, which is also kind of unique for a lefty, is also kind of a, a vulnerability for him. But if you're throwing him anything on the outside corner or on the outside half, that's usually where he does – quite a bit of damage but you know i'll remind everybody that after that first that first storming that he did at memphis uh you know he had a terrible first week like a lot of kids did at memphis and then to finish out april he was amazing and then he's been kind of wishy-washy since the end of april into to may striking out a lot you know not hitting as many home runs uh, not really hitting for much power either and now he's getting out of it like this is if if people will remember as the season started i i I had one moment where I was like, all right, now it's time to get Nolan Gorman up here. We can't, we can't deny this anymore. We can't belay this anymore. Like it, we, we have to be cognizant that this is something special. Uh, but before that, I, I kept saying, I want to see him struggle. Like let's get him to struggle and let's see him work his way out of it. Uh, because the first struggle of the season is easier to get through when you're at triple a than when you're in the majors. And, you know, he's a big, strong, smart kid. It's not like he's going to come up to the majors and if he ends up having to get sent down right away, it's going to demoralize him and crush him and he's not going to be able to rebound from it. Uh, that's not going to be the case. He's going to be able to rebound from it. 
But it just seemed like the ideal situation would be to let him work, have a struggle and work through it at AAA before he became a real viable option at the major leagues. Now, that says nothing about his defense. You know, the thing that I keep telling people about Nolan Gorman's defense so far this year is that, in my mind, it's definitely better than where it was for maybe the first half of the 2021 season uh, as he was transitioning from third to second. But I don't think it's as good as it was at the uh, at the end of the 2021 season. He just seems a little extra clunky, a little more hesitant, uh, maybe maybe a little bit more. Yeah, hesitant's probably the best word for it. He just he doesn't seem as fluid or as comfortable in his motions to me, uh, and because of that, I uh, I think all of that goes into it. But aside from all of that, I also think that we can look at the Cardinals and their their history over the last X amount of times. And I, and I know that people think that there's a service time thing here. I don't believe that there is. Um, I, I think that there's definitely like, obviously the longer he stays down there, the, the less of a chance he has of finishing first or second in an NL rookie of the year award voting, which would, you know, eat up one year of service time. Um, but he's already passed like the super two stage. We all feel pretty comfortable about that. Usually super two is at like the end of April, uh, depending on when the season starts, since the season started a little bit later, probably, you know, we're probably at least a week, 10 days, maybe even further away uh, than that. So it's not service time in that way. There might be something in there about the NL Rookie of the Year vote. Uh, I personally don't think it is. But what I was I bring all that up. I I segue to all of that because the point I was going to make is that the Cardinals have have kind of been a pecking order organization. They have a guy on the 40 man that guy on the 40-man gets a chance. And if that guy on the 40-man hasn't gotten a chance yet, they're going to get a chance. And I'm happy that Brendan Donovan is getting a real chance. I don't understand why he's not getting a real chance at second, and I don't understand why Tommy Edmond isn't playing short. Uh, but even, you know, it's a rare situation there because even Donovan has jumped Sosa here. And that usually doesn't happen, but it was, it's all about timing. Donovan comes up, Sosa's hurt, and the, the rhetoric coming from the organization was when Edmundo Sosa comes back, then uh, he'll get the chance to be the everyday shortstop. Well, Cardinals aren't hitting. The only people that are hitting are the rookies, Yepes and Donovan, and then the, all, the all-stars, you know, uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado, along with Edmund in there. So Donovan gets a real run. He gets a real chance. And again, this is a question about Nolan Gorman, but to me, the bottom line is we know that being a DH full-time or mostly full-time for a player with this profile, with as few minor league at-bats as him, uh, it, does, it will not suit him well. Uh, it won't suit him well as uh, to get mostly DH at-bats. He's not Juan Yepes. Uh, he doesn't have that skill set. So we know it will be tough on both his offense and his defense in the long run to be in this position. So I think I think all of that plays into it. You know, I, I think I think timing plays into it. I think the options at the major league level come into it. And I think that he's just not hitting. He well, you know, when there was a chance to go to him, he just wasn't hitting the way he was the week before. And it was with a lot of strikeouts. So I, I really do think timing comes into it as much as it is the things that he has to work on. Um, and also available roster spots at the major league level. Uh, but it is definitely frustrating to watch him hit monster home runs at the major league or at the minor league level at triple a when the major league offense is sputtering so much. 
Uh, G-Dub, I know that I just ranted on for like 10 minutes. Uh, my good friend, do you have any other thoughts or any other questions? Is there anything else on your mind? So no, I was actually going to follow up with saying, you know, Edmund and Nato obviously aren't going anywhere. And those are his two primary positions. With the Boats and Morosi thing coming out, do you actually see maybe them taking a chance and trading Gorman? So he's, since he seems to be blocked and he is uh, playing so well, you know, is turning him into a shortstop would be look pretty nice. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to think that that won't happen. Um, somebody asked me about it in the DMs and my first, or in, both in the DMs and on my timeline. And my first thought was to laugh and say, oh, we're doing the uh, jerks in Profar for Oscar Tavares thing again. Um, you know, the, the question I think specifically was about Nolan Gorman for Royce Lewis. Uh, I had somebody in my DM or asking me today about uh, could the Cardinals potentially use Gorman or Walker to acquire C.J. Abrams from the Padres. And these are just the kind of trades that don't happen, right? Organizations, they see um, they see their guys. They know their guys. They know their guys better than guys on other teams. And that's why, you know, that's part of the reason why you usually use prospects to trade for position players are, you know, established major leaguers, because that's where a lot of the question mark about the player uh, kind of goes out the window. So I personally do not see it. I'll also remind everybody, and I don't mean to beat on Jim Bowden. You know, he's got a television show on the MLB network. Uh, he's a quote unquote insider. He writes. But I would also remind people that this is about the time of year every year where he writes an article uh, to get attention. And again, we all do it. Uh, but he, this is usually the time of year where he'll just write an article. He knows that Cardinal fans in particular are, you know, usually a little bit extra engaging for this. And that keeps his name relevant. So I, I would remind people that whenever you hear Jim Bowden and he's talking about trade proposals, that there's some showmanship there as much as there is any type of insider information. Uh, and then with with Mr. Morosi, like he he's a little bit more wired in, but I you know, he's not, he's not, uh, Rosenthal, you know, he's not, honestly, I know Derek Gould gets a lot of hate around here, but pay attention to Gould. You know, he, Gould has his own like most speak, uh, when he's talking about people, uh, and talking about players and talking about trades, he has his own most speak when it comes to it, where he's, it, once you get used to it, you can kind of see what he's saying. Uh, as, anyways, you know, there, there are, um, even Heyman, like although there are better options nationally passing, than Bowden and Morosi. Uh, it seems like those two guys in particular deal with a lot of speculation. Um, you know, to, to your question about maybe an established shortstop uh, for for Gorman, I, you know, I I don't see it. I again, I I just know the Cardinals. It doesn't it doesn't seem to me. You know, Brett Wallace was a was a whole different thing in many many years ago. But it just doesn't seem to me. That that's the kind of move that the Cardinals would make with uh, a prospect that they care so much about and Nolan Gorman, even with the position block that is Edmund. Now, it's also worth noting that while Brendan Donovan has done an admirable job playing shortstop, Tommy Edmund is back to taking reps at shortstop uh, in practice. And I think that probably tells us more about the situation than anything. Uh, and I also still think that there's a really good chance that in a week, even though fans will hate it, uh, Paul DeYoung, you know, he's working on some mechanical stuff. Paul DeYoung will be hitting. And in two weeks, Paul DeYoung will be back up at the major league level before Gorman. And that'll be a whole nightmare, too, uh, from a PR standpoint. But, uh, I, you know, I would say right now it's not Gorman 
who I could see them moving if they wanted to upgrade the shortstop spot. I would suspect it'd be, you know, some of their immediate left-handed pitching depth and some of their outfield depth, depending on who those outfielders are. What do you think, G Dub? You have any thoughts, bud? You're muted again. There you go. That's all. That's all I got, man. Thanks. I, it's a, as far as trading folks, as long as they don't trade Jordan Walker, you know, whatever. That guy needs to play for St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll kind of take it from there. Again, if anybody has any questions, you know, I, I we love questions. The whole thing about the prospect Macarena is that it's a prospect Q and A, and G Dub here has has asked a great question. We have somebody else who just requested, but uh, you know, I've been asked a lot about uh, oh oh and and chill. Cool. That's exciting. Um, but I've been asked a lot about Jordan Walker and his timing. And, you know, he only has three home runs, only has a handful of doubles. It's all coming, and it's all coming right now, which is really exciting. And, you know, if I'm going to give a quick timeline on Jordan Walker, I'm probably going to say whenever it seems like we're at the point with such a special talent, even though he's at double-A, even, even though there are other people in the pecking order, that I think that there's a real chance that, you know, he's knocking on the door at the end of this season. Uh barreling through the door after spring training next year. Uh, G-Dub, my friend, anything else for you, bud? That's all I got, Kyle. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm removing you from speaker. And then I'm going to go to next in line, which is Jean Ralphio, Jersey Garbo. Uh, Jersey Garbo, I am making sure that I added, I added you as a speaker. Uh, you'll have to unmute yourself. Uh, and I would really love to hear your question, my friend. You'll, again, you'll have to unmute yourself. It's probably down at the bottom there where it says mic is on. Yeah. Uh, what you got? Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for uh, having me be a speaker and uh, glad to be here. This is my first one that I'm attending, so this is great to actually be a part of. Um, awesome. My question is uh, sort of, you know, we've had a, a lot of people have been getting a lot of attention. You know, Moises Gomez, um, obviously Gorman, Jordan Walker, Libertor. And I had just found out today sort of that uh, Ivan Herrera is putting together a sneaky good season at the plate. And AAA. This is the first time I had seen his name pop up in a good minute, so I was surprised to see that. And my question is, you know, from what you've seen, how does he look behind the plate defensively? How comfortable does he look? Is there a chance maybe when the rosters expand at the end of the year that we see him come up and get a little time with the major league club? I just want to know your thoughts on that in general. Uh, it's a great question, man. Again, thank you for being here and thank you for taking part in it. Uh, I will say that I've been, you know, he's hitting like 290 or 294 right now. And he did that sneakily. He got off to such a bad start. Uh, he looked uncomfortable to play. He was striking out a lot. Uh, working counts deep, but he, it's nice to see him regain some of that. Uh, so, yes, in the last month, he has been great. He's been hitting the ball all over the place. He's been slugging the ball, hitting it over the fence. Uh, and I will say, and again, I, I, I am trying to be as candid about this as possible. I am at my worst when I am evaluating catchers. Uh, it's the position that is just so, so far advanced. So I have to go to my guys in the organization and find out what they think about him. Just like with Kisner, you know, they uh, there's some bad uh, online metrics for him, but the internal metrics on Kisner, a defenseman, are really good. Um, you know, th things like that. So what I'll say is I what I've always been impressed with Devon Herrera behind the bench or behind the plate is that he has a really strong arm. Uh, he he pops quick. It's like one. It could be he usually lives between like one seven five and one nine eight, somewhere between there, depending on what he's what he's getting at. And he, he has a direct, you know, direct throwing motion. He frames the ball pretty well, uh, maybe even better than any other catcher in the organization, low in the zone. Uh, he, he does that, like, he definitely has some Yachty in him on breaking pitches high. You know how Yachty doesn't even frame those pitches? He just kind of, like, rakes them down. 
Uh, Herrera does that. He's a little clunky uh, on the corners to lefties and righties on the outside, you know, quarter of the plate. He's a little clunky there. But, you know, he, he's, he's a tough kid. He will sacrifice his entire body to keep a ball in front of him. He moves better to his right than he does to his left which surprises me, um, you know, for being a, a right-handed thrower. I feel like a lot of catchers are the other way. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense. You would rather have it that way since there are more right-handed hitters than there are left-handed hitters. So I would say that Avon Herrera is putting himself in a really great position to get some time next year uh, when he and Andrew Kisner are both at the major league level. I would remind everybody when we get to September call-ups, that they're back to only calling up two people, uh, you know, after, in September. So instead of it being like you can call up anybody who's on your 40 man, they're still doing that. And that's probably that'll probably be what it's like moving forward. And I think that makes it a little bit more difficult to predict uh, having a, a third catcher up at the major leagues. Now, they could do it um, I, depending on what it looks like, depending on how healthy Yachty is and how Kiz is hitting. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that there's an outside chance that that happens. I don't think it's likely, but, uh, you know, we'll see how the 40 man's shaking out. We'll see who's healthy and uh, we'll see where the need is. But he's doing everything right now to put himself in a position to uh, to compete at the major league level for the starting job or uh, a fraction or a portion of the starting job in the 2023 season. And that's, you know, he's I remind people that as young as Nolan Gorman is, Avon Herrera is one month younger than Nolan Gorman. He's still 21. You know, I believe he doesn't turn 22 until the 1st of June or maybe the 1st of July, sometime around there. Um, but yeah, like he's, he's doing everything that you could hope a catcher would do at his age, at his level. Um, that, yeah, that you could absolutely hope for. And one last thing I'll say is just to remind everyone that catchers usually take a little bit longer. Like I, I feel like between Carson Kelly and Andrew Kisner, uh, even, even reading reports on, catching prospects from other organizations there's almost like they take a step back even if they get playing time which you know kisner and kelly didn't but uh there's almost like a lot of catchers when they get get to the major leagues because of the grueling nature of that position they almost take like a full step back before they finally find their footing so even if he's at the major league level next year i wouldn't be surprised if there's some struggle even if he's you know playing 40 percent of the time and kids is playing 60 percent of the time uh I, you know it's just kind of like Kind of like with a lot of these guys, it's going to take a little time to really understand just how good Avon Herrera has the capability of being. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I know that that's a long way, and you're muted again, uh, Jean Ralphio. Uh, but uh, does that answer your question? Do you have any follow-ups? That definitely answers my question, and that was my only one that I had uh, coming into this. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. It means the world to me that you were here. I'm, I'm glad that you participated. Uh, before I – I'm going to remove you from a speaker – before I go to end chill, uh, Nicholas Childress, I also want to say that one of the most impressive things about watching Yvonne Herrera catch, uh, just like with Zade Richardson, like they're two really tough kids. I mean, they, they you know, uh, they take a beating back there and they just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And uh, the other thing about his hitting profile that I wanted to say is he'll use all fields. That's part of part of what makes Yvonne Herrera uh, really intriguing. You know, he'll, he'll dump that single over the second baseman's head. He, you know, he's not as uh, all fields as Kisner was at the minor leagues, but when it's time, and he'll work a count to two strikes, uh, when it's time, he'll just go with the pitch. Uh, so, yeah, Von Herrera is exciting. He's doing some really good things. Uh, my good friend, Enchil, I'm adding you, Nicholas Childress. 
Uh, uh, N Chill 17, he got his handle back. Uh, Nick, I'm adding you. You are uh, you're ready to speak, but you got to unmute your mic. Nick, how are you? I'm buddy? good. How are you, Kyle? Oh my God, you sound great. <laughs> Thank you. First things first, I wanted you to hear me open this truly. Um, <laughs> oh, what kind? Um, but then, second of all, my question was: I know you spoke on Jordan Walker a little bit already, um, but I was just really kind of wondering, like, what the details of how he's improved and how he's kind of like you said he's kind of just. Um, I think you said he's getting getting more back into his power right now. Um, yeah. And I, I unfortunately now live in Columbia and I haven't been to go to Springfield every or go to the Hammonds Field every day like I used to. But um, yeah, I think that's just kind of like I just want to know a little bit about what Jordan Walker's up to. What truly are you drinking? Oh, uh, I got the uh, let's see here. We got the classic lime margarita style. Have you had all uh, not to not to completely blow this conversation <laughs> up, but have you had all the margaritas? The guy at the liquor store, I got the the poolside, the the twelve or the, what is it, tw- uh, the sixteen pack poolside, uh, 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 Truly's this weekend, and uh, the guy was like, "You got to try the margaritas; they're awesome." <laughs> I actually haven't even tried this one yet. <laughs> uh, well, you try it, and I'll ramble on for six and a half minutes. All right, sounds good. And and when I get back to you, you can tell me how it It'll is. Be gone by then. Uh, yeah. Th- <laughs> good yeah you'll be on to the other flavor of margarita i'll want the answer to um no uh so you know what i've noticed with jordan walker is early on in his double a tenure it was just as much about feeling out how he was being pitched and just keeping his swing in the zone and letting the bat and his bat speed and his natural abilities do the work it's why most of the hits that he was recording were to the opposite field uh you know he wasn't pulling a lot And if he was pulling it, it was a lot of stuff on the ground. And throughout all that, pitchers were really delicate with him. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, uh, it's really impressive. His OPS is above 900, uh, which is good and it's true. But his on-base percentage was partially there. Uh, And this is a testament to his reputation because even double-A hitters were not messing with him. Even with Moises Gomez raking, they were not messing with him. He was not getting a lot of competitive pitches to do much with. And if he was, he was keeping his bat in the zone, keeping his mechanics true, and he was just pushing the ball to the opposite field. A lot of a lot of dunkers, uh, uh, some gap shots between the center fielder and the right fielder. But he was, he was just feeling out the league. And what we've seen in the last couple of weeks is those, are, those balls to the opposite field are getting hit a little bit harder. But like we saw earlier in the week, we're seeing him turn on pitches, uh, not just, you know, not just fastballs or curveballs. He's, he's starting to turn on pitches and swing with a little bit more authority. And, you know, uh, what he, what his swing is, what his swing is kind of, like, engineered for, it's it's not to necessarily pull the ball all the time. It's kind of meant, it's kind of a line drive swing, kind of that old, traditional, easy, smooth, a uh, little bit of a, little bit of a, you know, what, what olds call the launch angle swing, but not a lot, where it's supposed to be kind of a line drive up the middle, and that's why he takes a lot of the stuff in the middle of the plate to the opposite field. Um, that's just the nature of his beautiful, easy, you know, lacking in complexity swing. So that's what we've seen more than anything. Uh, it's just you can see him get more comfortable with the, that advanced level. And the fact that he was able to, you know, in the process of being treated delicately by some really impressive pitching prospects in other organizations, not chased not chase, not expand his zone. Uh, I think that says everything that we need to say about the type of hitter from a, from a maturity standpoint that he is. 
And uh, now he's he's adding that pull slug along with the bat speed and the swing that comes with being confident and like fully aware of one's abilities at an advanced level. Uh, and chill, I need updates. Oh, uh, it's uh, it's gone. Yeah, I, <laughs> I chugged it right after I hung up. <laughs> so good. So what? And then okay, we got the update. And uh, now, what do you you have a follow up? Any other thoughts? Well, I was gonna say um, that sounds like really cool to see because it's yeah. like I feel like a lot of the prospects that come up nowadays, and it's just the way baseball is played, is just it's so much swing and miss and you don't see a ton of people that really just try to like send the ball to the other way. This might just be me. I mean, I'm, I'm 27, so I'm not a boomer, but I do have a little bit of, uh, I guess, boomer baseball opinions when it comes to just <laughs> swinging as hard as you can and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> not working the walks and stuff just cause that's what I was taught when I played baseball. Um, yeah, but that's, I was going to say like, that's, that's really dope to see. I did have another question though. Um, yeah. if, if nobody else is in line, I don't want to cut. No, we got we have one other person in line, uh, Luke, uh, with a registered trademark, who was actually in my DMs a little while ago, and I think I know what question he's going to ask. But Nick, if you got something, throw it out there. Okay, so I was going to ask, um, really, what is the ceiling for Juan Yepes? I know you don't like doing ceiling or player yeah. comparison and stuff like that, but that dude looks like he can. Literally, I mean, I know he hasn't really experienced a drought in the majors yet, which you know is always always something that everyone goes through because yeah. nobody's Mike Trout. But uh, it's like, like what, like what can that guy be? Yeah, I think uh, I think to be lazy, uh, and it's something I've kind of been saying a little bit since, not since 2019, because remember in 2019 he started at extended spring training. Things looked kind of bleak for him, but he kind of readjusted his approach and his mentality. Uh, and then it was at the end of 2019 when he was at Springfield when we saw him start to like really clobber the ball and uh, with some good exit velocity, uh, but. I feel like since then, because of his approach, and again, this is super lazy, and people keep bringing it up, which probably makes it true, is I think that there's a realistic chance that if he can stay healthy, then he might be the version of Alan Craig that we hoped would stay healthy for a very long time. Now, there are defensive, serious defensive questions and serious base running questions with Juan Yepes. You know, he, he's, he doesn't have that, like, he, he has the natural instincts, but he doesn't have the same natural instincts as someone like Alan Craig had, uh, which, you know, is going to get him in trouble. He might be more of a Matt Carpenter-esque base runner, and we know Carp would get into trouble sometimes. Uh, but I think at the plate, uh, because he doesn't carry at bat, you know, he doesn't carry, like, the struggle from at bat to at bat. He can kind of rebound and regroup. I think that there's a realistic chance that, you know, if you take – Alan Craig's average as a St. Louis Cardinal and multiply that by two uh, years wise, you know, instead of having two and a half decent seasons or whatever it was, I, I think you're talking about a player who's going to have four to six really good offensive years, similar to, you know, uh, hitting 270, 280, getting on base 260 or a 360, 370 with, you know, a 500 ish slug, 20, 20 home runs and, you know, 25 doubles in there if not more uh, i think he'll be limited by his speed i think some some doubles are going to be held to singles um but yeah like i i think i think that is the version of juan yepes that we are seeing and that's part of the reason why i wanted him to break with the club uh it's part of the reason why even though he struggled um even though he struggled during spring training and he was just starting to come out of it when the cardinals signed cool so i was bummed about it because i, I felt like I felt like he was ready for a breakout, and I didn't feel like 
bring or I didn't feel like a minor league assignment would do him or the Cardinals any good. But I'm wrong about that because it gave him a chance. You know, he got hit in the head in spring training and it gave him a chance to work through that uh, at Memphis to get comfortable and work through that at Memphis. And uh, that it's all worked out so far. So you can't I can't complain or bitch about it the way that I would like. Nope, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I mean, I feel like I, I saw the comparisons in swing and stuff like that. Uh, that I, I, I don't know exactly who made it, but I saw uh, a tweet comparing their swings even, and I was like, just their stances kind of look similar between him and Craig. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I see, I haven't uh, seen that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't have any more thoughts, but I did want to say one more thing. Yeah. And it is that Ryan Hesley is a fucking beast. <laughs> awesome, bud. Awesome. I think that's the one F word we're allowed on this, but uh, oh, we'll take oh, it. Oh, sorry. No, well, I love it. You're, you're right. Uh, that Those horse thighs of his are really paying off right now, aren't they? Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. Until, well, it's a pleasure to hear you. Um, uh, enjoy the truly. Let me know how the other margarita versions of it are. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rem- remove you from speaker. All right. It was good talking to you. Nice to talk to you too, bud. And then we're going to go to Luke, uh, who is at uh, underscore luck underscore. Uh, Luke, you'll have to unmute yourself, and I'll say hello, sir. How are you? Doing well. How about you? Oh, man, it's a pleasure to have you here. So, yeah, I took a, br- took a break from my work here to uh, come and ask you about Trey Fletcher, who yeah. I was not a big fan of the pick back in the day, but he actually kind of showed some of the tools that some people thought in 2019. But uh, coming out of 2020, 2021, I have a friend that used to be on the Palm Beach Cardinals. I live five minutes from the stadium. And he didn't exactly have glowing reports on his attitude. And now he's off to an impressively bad start to the year. Over 16, yeah. 16 strikeouts, which is insane. Uh, just what do, you, yeah. what do you think about where he's going forward? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, the first thing I want to say is uh, – you know, any kid who starts off over anything with strikeouts matching the at-bat total, and when you start getting into the teens specifically, like, man, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a historically bad start, and it's sad is what it is. You know, especially because there's all the hype around him and, uh, you know, all of that talent and all of that skill and all of that athleticism. What I will say is, uh, and, you know, most people will be able to tell from my Twitter history, that I was not the biggest fan of that pick either. Uh, what I will say also is I understand taking that selection. Uh, you know, I, I never thought that he was the, the rumor. You know, he, he entered the draft early that year. Uh, you know, he was supposed to go. He was supposed to be eligible for the 20, uh, 2020 draft. Declared early so he could be eligible for 2019. Some people thought he might be a top five or top ten pick. Maybe even the top pick. Uh, in, in 2020, had he stayed, you know, I just, I never saw that. I saw a very athletic kid who had just never played against, uh, you know, top, well, he did, and he was impressive in some of those showcases. So that's not true, but I just saw so much raw dough that didn't feel complete to me. And it seemed like he would, he would have to take a hell of a journey to become a player. So I understand you and I are kind of in the same boat there being about maybe scratching our heads, but I also want to say again, that like, I understand, I understand especially for a team like the Cardinals that, you know, a second, a second round pick is a tough pick to kind of just like give away this way. If Trey Fletcher never gets it together. Uh, But when you're drafting between picks, you know, 
15 and 25 every year or, you know, more realistically, 18 and 23. You have to take some shots. And I appreciate that they took a shot with Trey Fletcher. Uh, and it's a bummer that it hasn't worked out yet. I, you know, I, it's not fair for me to speak about his attitude. You know, I've heard all kinds of things, uh, not just about his attitude, but his work ethic. Uh, and it's funny, depending on who you talk to, you get a different answer about it. Uh, so I, I'll try to stay away from that because, you know, I, I'll remind everybody that we're talking about a 20 or 20. He's 21. We're talking about a 21 year old kid here or maybe even 20. He's, you know, a kid in his early 20s who, you know, just it's just not clicking for him. And I think the fact that he started off once again uh, away from a full season affiliate tells us that maybe the Cardinals, you know, it doesn't tell us, but it suggests to us rather that the Cardinals probably felt the same way that he just wasn't where they wanted him to be or even where he needs to be or where they needed him to be. Uh, again, not to, not to keep going back to it, but, and I, I don't want to beat up on the poor kid, but Oh, for 16 is as bad as it gets. I'm bummed that I haven't got to watch it. Uh, you know, when I talk to some people, they say it's looked ugly too. Um, I just remind everybody, again, 21-year-old kid, uh, 20, however old he is. I'm sorry to keep messing it up. I should just look it up. But, uh, you know, you're talking about a kid who is still coming into his own adulthood, who still has years ahead of him, uh, potentially, who, granted, it's as bad now as it could possibly be. But we all still need to be very patient and give him a chance to grow into his adulthood a little bit. Um and hope that with this struggle at an affiliated level, if he does have an attitude issue, if he does have a work ethic issue, that he'll understand now that now that he's really, really struggling, now that he is kind of failing, that something needs to change. Uh, and whatever, and it might not be something, it might be some things. And hopefully he's learning that lesson and applying it moving forward. You know, it's baseball's the game of failure. Uh, even the good players suck when you think about it. Uh, some are just better at sucking than others. And I just, I think that, I think that it doesn't look good right now. I think that it probably isn't going to be good moving forward, but I've seen crazier things happen with players like Oscar Mercado and Pete Cosma. And I'm just hopeful that he's learning from whatever state mistakes he's making right now. Uh, Luke uh, underscore luck underscore. Do you have any thoughts or any additional um, questions, follow up anything? Yeah, I, I liked a lot what you said about the, the Cardinals can take a chance on kids like that in that round because also they do really well college picks in that, you know, 10 to 3 range. Yeah. For like another one, I, I went to uh, some spring training practices, and Mason Wynn, by the way, is an absolutely incredibly fun IO to watch. He's oh, yeah. Special at shortstop. And another one I had a question was what do you think of Tink Hentz? Yeah, I, you know, the reports on Tink Hens right now are super positive. And I'm kind of anxious or surprised that he hasn't made it to Palm Beach yet. You know, he dealt with some arm issues last year. So I think they're just being a little extra cautious with Tink. But all other than the fact that he's still very, very lean, all of the reports uh, are glowing and positive about Tink. About, you know, again, I keep calling him Tink. I want to make a point to call him Markevian because I love the name Markevian. I think it's badass, really. Uh but yeah, like, you know, his apparently his command's been really good. His fastball's been up in the high 90s, if not more than that. Um, and, you know, he's showing really great command and really great repeatability. So 
my hope is, you know, I, I like Tink substantially more than I like Edwin Nunez. Edwin Nunez has found his way back to Palm Beach. You know, he didn't start there this year, but he finished there last year. Uh, I think I think that's an indication that we're probably going to see Tink uh, Markevian in Palm Beach probably, you know, within the next month is my guess. And I, I cannot wait to see it or get reports on it or or whatever. Hopefully the Palm Beach Cardinals Twitter feed is providing us with video of it so that we can see it. But yeah, look, everything that we've heard so far has been super positive. I think the Cardinals are just being a little extra careful with him because of maybe some of the arm issues or uh, that he dealt with last year. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, we're gonna keep up the good keep up the good work. I'm gonna keep following the gifts. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming in here. Uh, thanks, I'm gonna man. yeah, I'm gonna remove you from speaker. Um, again, say thank you one more time. Uh, I'm gonna go to uh, uh, Nick, who's at at holy underscore Schilt, uh, and I just want to say that Gray Bush, uh, Old Soul three one four, you're gonna be up next. So. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Nick. We're going to add holy underscore Schilt. And uh, we're going to tell him his microphone is muted. He needs to unmute. And then our good friend, Holy Schilt, are going to ask us a question, probably about Trevor's story. Oh, uh, that is not what I was going to ask, actually. <laughs> but what do you think about that? Do you think Trevor's story should, <laughs> should sign on a one-year prove-it deal with us? I mean, Paul DeYoung's in the writers. Uh, Jesus Christ. What, what, what you got? All right. So... Last time we talked, I asked who was next, and you answered with, I'm pretty sure, Brendan Donovan and Jake Walsh. <laughs> so tell me who's next, and tell me why it's not going to be <laughs> Nolan Gorman. Uh, it's going to be Aaron Brooks. No, uh, it's, you know, I don't know what to expect. My guess, my guess would be that it's Nolan Gorman. Uh, I, and again, I'm just trying to think it over, you know, I just doing deductive reasoning. I don't think it's going to be an outfielder. So that means that, that you know, uh, and again, the Cardinals, the Cardinals roster is at 40. But with the Alex Reyes news today, uh, you know, and even the ability to put Jack, I think Reyes, you know, and then the ability to put Jack Flaherty on the 60 day, which they could and probably wouldn't inter, interfere with his rehab time at all. Um, I, I, you know, they could, they have ways of getting players on. I don't think it's going to be an outfielder. So I don't think it's going to be Burleson. Uh, I'm trying to think of the 40 man. They've pretty much, called up all of their 40-man options. You know, I think there's probably a good chance that if you're talking about guys at the minors now who might make it to the majors, I mean, Jake Woodford, who's only been down there for 60 minutes, uh, you know, him. But if we're talking about guys that haven't made a major league debut, I think I think at this point, uh, since everybody's getting healthy, now that Drew Verhagen is back, I don't see a clear spot for a starter. I don't think they'd add a starter for one start. I don't think it's going to be Johan Oviedo if they need an arm. So the question becomes, is it going to be uh, Nolan Gorman uh, or is it going to be one of the left-handed pitchers who aren't on the 40-man roster? And to me, unless TJ McFarlane is just so bad in this next week, two weeks, uh, and even then, like that ends up being Packy Naughton's job more than likely, or Tyler Webb or Tyler Lyons, whatever version of uh, the lefty you want to call him. Uh, he's he, the, current, the current Tyler Lyons, uh, uh, Packy Naughton. Um, and Tyler Webb, Packy Naughton. Uh, I think that depending on how things go with Brendan Donovan playing short and Edmundo Sosa playing short and Tommy Edmond continuing to field balls and practice at short, uh, I definitely think that barring any serious injury, the next call-up uh, is, is almost certainly 
Nolan Gorman, especially if this week is any indication and he's worked through some of his struggle and he's starting to get hot again. Uh, that, that's my thought. I will say that if they do get aggressive with one of the lefties, the one that I want to see is Zach Thompson. I think his fastball and his curveball in particular could help the major league club right now. And the fact that I'm even saying that is awesome. And I, and not only saying that, but that I mean that is awesome. And you know, that's because he's older now he's 25 or right at 25. I could envision a situation in which that would work out and it would work out well. Uh, and I think that it wouldn't hurt them to be aggressive getting him on the 40 man and getting him to the majors. And even if it is only in a relief role, uh, similar to what Hennessy's Cabrera was like, I, that's the one that I want to see. And you, you guys know that up until now I've been a big pro Connor Thomas, you know, it's been, been kind of a rough couple starts before his relief appearance last night where he struck out 11 and six innings. Uh, but you know, right now in my mind, the one that I want to see, you know, no disrespect to Matthew Libertor is Zach Thompson. I just want to see what would happen, what it would look like because that fastball is super lively uh, the curveball, from what I understand, it's got its RPMs back. It's got its velocity back. Um, again, you know, I, it's not It's not like, again, there was that, that article that whoever it was sent to me where it was like uh, him and Libertor, both Thompson and Libertor, had like a 44 grade on stuff by because somebody measured like 77 pitches or something like that. I can tell you the Cardinals have a different grade on it. And I can also tell you from Eno Saris that Libertors in particular is like 104 or 108, whatever it was, uh, from a stuff plus standpoint. And I know that just below that, maybe I, I want to say about 18 points, uh, or what is it? Yeah, no, it was 10 points at like a 95 is Zach Thompson. So these are all positive things, uh, positive positives. Uh, but yeah, that's a, I know that's a big, long rant. But yeah, I think we're kind of at the point now where the next prospect to get added to the 40 who hasn't made a major league debut. I think I think we're at that point now where uh, we're starting to talk about Nolan Gorman. But I also my last thought is let's all rejoice in how productive Brendan Donovan has been uh, and and being productive when he finally gets at bats while playing a position that he's hardly ever played. And I think that should tell everyone in Cardinal Nation that uh, they have a player on their hands. The Cardinals have a real life player on their hands. And this isn't it's an easy thing to default to in Greg Garcia and Daniel Descalso and, you know, Ryan Terrio, if you want to. Uh, but I've always believed and I still believe that Brendan Donovan is a little bit more than that. Whatever level it is that's above a, a utility player that you end up getting annoyed with three years later. So uh, that, that's that's it, Nick. Did uh, what else? What else you got, bro? I was actually going to ask you brought up McFarland and then you brought up Thompson. Um, is there any concern on your part that Zach Thompson's going to be misused as like maybe some loogie type pitcher? Oh yeah, I'll be like I'll be honest with you. I uh, uh, <laughs> right now I feel like whenever I have a conversation with anybody on Twitter about prospects, there's all this talk about service time manip manipulation, and there's all this talk about um, you know getting him up here now, get him up here now. And I feel like they've never manipulated service time. What they've done is screwed up how they use players when they get to the major leagues. That's what I feel. Uh, you know, I heard somebody say when we were talking about Juan Yepes, like they were saying, oh, you could have brought him up at the end of last year and he could have got a couple of at-bats or blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, they did that. They did that in the past. They've done that with Jag and Randy Rosarena. And none of them play. You know, Juan Yepes was added to the 40-man. He was going to be he – was, he was on the roster for the wild card game. Uh, but, like, 
don't call the kids up if you're not going to play them. And I'm not saying that they need to be starting every day, but when you get 12 at bats in 10 days or 10 bats in 12 at days, or that Lane Thomas treatment, and again, Lane's turned out to be very little, but the Lane Thomas treatment where he got like 27 at bats in like 40 days or something like that, like they, the Cardinals have a history of kind of misutilizing their, their prospects. You know, think about all the, think about all the middle infielders, you know, Tommy Edmond, who plays short and second base for the majority of his time at the minors gets called up and he plays third. Uh, Paul DeYoung, who was a catcher that transitioned into a third baseman who they moved to short, gets called up to the majors and he starts games at second base, you know, a position that he had hardly ever played there. There's a history the Cardinals have now. And then Tommy Edmond playing the outfield when he only has like 16, uh, you know, 16 innings in the outfield the Cardinals now have a history of misutilizing their prospects and so yeah like I don't think that it's I don't think that it's I think it's less likely with pitchers than it is with hitters because I think that they use their pitchers and they use their pitchers and they use their pitchers but it depends on what their their mo is with Thompson just like it depends on what their mo is with Andre Pallante because if they're just going to do this where they bring him up and they have no chance. He has no real chance of starting. If he gets the Henesis Cabrera treatment, if he gets the Ryan Helsley treatment, then yeah, like they're probably doing them a favor because they're getting a major league paycheck, but they're probably suppressing wages in the long run. Uh, even though it's not like suppressing, uh, they're just trying to get as much value of those from those players as possible at the major league level when they need it. Uh, but they're between that and, you know, hurting the long-term depth at the major league level, uh, they're doing a disservice to the players and the team because right now, if they just would have been a little bit more forward thinking with Ryan Helsley and Jordan Hicks and Henesis Cabrera, and not to say all three of those guys or any three of them would have been able to be a starting pitcher at the a high quality at the major league level. I think we're seeing now just how good Jordan Hicks can be. Uh, and I think that we see something similar out of, out of Ryan Helsley specifically, but I just think, now here we are with a shortage of starting pitchers and we've been there kind of now for three years. You know, when you think about the short in 2020 season, what last year was, and I just think that they're doing everyone a disservice in the long run with how they're, you know, shoehorning really talented starting pitchers into a relief role early and not giving them the chance to make the next step. Like they would in the past with guys like Adam Wainwright who would start in the bullpen and they get a chance to start, uh, so, yeah, look, I, I am very much concerned that barring injuries or barring retirements, that all of the kids that the Cardinals call up, they're going to misuse because we actually have more of a track record of that than we have of anything else. So what you're saying is Gorman's going to get called up and he's going to play like left field or something? Yeah, yeah okay. right. honestly, like left field or right field, I could definitely see that. You know, especially if Brendan Donovan keeps playing the way that he's playing and Tommy Edmond keeps hitting the way that he's hitting, like that smells more like a Cardinal move to me than anything. I think I think they're smart enough to realize that they're going to do damage to Gorman if he's just, you know, getting at bats against righties as a left-handed DH. Uh, you know, they're not even doing that with Juan Yepes, who could probably handle it. You know, he's even playing out in the field probably more than he should. Uh, so I would imagine he's going to get at bats, and I would imagine they'll do that exactly, uh, getting at bats in the corner outfield. All right, that's all I got. Awesome. Yeah, hey, that was awesome. Say. The great questions, Holy Shield. Great questions. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say thank you to you one more time. Thank you. Eat Arby's. Eat Arby's, brother. Eat Arby's. I'm, I'm removing you from speaker, and then we are going to Graybush314 uh, at Old Soul 314 
I'm adding you as a speaker, and I'm going to say that this is probably our last question. Uh, we've got a Cardinal game in about a half an hour. And uh, Gray Bush, it's up to you, my friend. What up, bro? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, so my question actually uh, goes into what you're just talking about. Where do you see Jordan Walker playing when he gets up to the major leagues? And are you surprised he hasn't been moved to the outfield yet? Yeah, you know, this is a, this is a great question, and it's a question that I've been asked a lot in my DMs uh, this week in particular. Uh, not, you know, now that we're starting to see Walker slug the ball a little bit more. I don't think there's any, I guess, I guess the best way to handle it is to say that I don't think there's any reason right now to move him off a of third base. Uh, I just, I think that he's at that delicate stage where he's at double a, he's so young for the level. And we just want him to be at a position playing a position in the field where he's comfortable so that he can continue to hone his skills at the plate at such a tough level. Um, I believe from what I've seen out of that young man, even though he struggled at third base, and even though I disagree with his family and his former coaches about his ability to play short, uh, I believe that he is athletic enough that and smart enough and committed enough that he could, you know, say theoretically uh, he makes it to AAA this year. He only plays third base. Say that even at the end of this year or the beginning of next year, he goes to spring training or at the end of this year. Like, yeah, I think he's athletic enough that he could start tomorrow in a corner outfield and be fine. You know, uh, it gets a little different when you talk about older players, but I believe that his youth actually serves him in this respect because I feel like, especially him because he's so smart, I feel like he'll take to the, the assignments and requirements of a corner outfield position in particular without issue. So to me, I just want him to be where he's comfortable right now. And I want to, you know, I want to remember, I want to remind myself over and over again that he's still 19 at a very difficult level. Uh, and sure, like his his long-term future isn't at third. You know, I mean, we say that. We don't know what's going to happen with Nolan Arnato. He could end up opting out after winning an MVP, which would certainly price him out of the Cardinals range. Uh, and then we're talking about a Gorman issue. We're talking about a Walker issue. We're talking about a Brendan Donovan or an Edmundo Sosa issue at third. Uh, but more than likely, that's not going to happen. Uh, and because of that, uh, it doesn't seem like the future is at third base for Jordan Walker. And uh, But again, he's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed to do well in a corner and maybe even learn a little bit of first base in the process. But uh, I'd remind everybody, at least from my vantage point, that as good as Nolan Arenado is at third base, what we've seen out of Paul Goldschmidt at first base these last couple of years is every bit as good as not better. So just because he's turning 35, it's not time to like, oh, he's 35 now. He's going to DH and we'll just give first base to the kid. Uh, not to say that's what you're saying because you aren't. But that's trust me, that's been in my DMs. It's been in my my messages uh for the last couple of weeks and i this gives me a chance to get my hatred for that question off my chest <laughs> that part of the question so uh what you have a follow-up any thoughts um how high is mason wins ceiling oh god it's it's special you know i uh i don't expect him now he's got for being as small as he is he has a tremendous amount of strength built into that body and we know he has really great bat speed so we know that there's that specialness there i don't think he'll ever be you know, a 15 home run guy. Uh, I, I know with this baseball, he won't ever be a 10 home run guy. But I think that all of the intangibles, his ability to play defense, uh, his, his arm, his speed, his natural instincts, his aggressiveness. Uh, again, that, that I say his, his natural instincts, like 
the kid just understands baseball. He just he knows what he can get away with, uh, and he gets away with a lot. He's just he has that extra sense that elite baseball players have. So I you know I I don't I don't expect there ever to be you know more than ten home run power. But I could, I could definitely envision a situation in which he's doing everything else at like, you know, I, honestly at like a seventy grade, a seventy grade speed, seventy grade defense, seventy, you know, eighty grade arm. He's got the best. He has the best infield arm. Uh, and I could envision a situation in which his hit and contact tool gets up to like a fifty, sixty, if not starts touching seventy. If if he if he peaks, if he reaches his ultimate goal, like. I, I, his ultimate ceiling, like I could, and it seems to me watching him that he's capable of getting there. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing. You know, what's really impressed me this year is to watch him slug the ball all over the field. Uh, you know, today he put one over the right fielder's head and it bounced off the wall. He got a triple out of it. You know, he got a double down. He pulled a double down the line. Uh, and that's, that's just what he's doing. Line drives over the shortstop's head. You know, he's, he's just doing everything right now, and it feels special. It feels like a kid who took that next step in his development uh, this offseason. And, you know, the, the next question after that is, well, then when do we see win at double-A? And for me, I want them to be as cautious with Mason as possible. I, I, I would not like for them to do it any sooner than June 1st, but if they do, I wouldn't even be upset about it. I just I want him to continue to have success before they push him to double-A. Uh, and, you know, maybe continue to show a little bit of a, the advanced slug that we've seen pretty much since the beginning of the year. It'd be nice to just see him continue to do that at least through May and then get into June a little bit uh, and, and then reevaluate and try to get him up to uh, to double A. Hopefully in the meantime, Delvin Perez, who's been taking good at bats and taking walks, can incorporate some more hits and earn a promotion to triple A in the process. But, uh, yeah, he's he's special. Uh, and more special than I realized, and I thought he was pretty special last year. All right, thanks. Awesome, Graybush. Hey, you have any other thoughts? Any other uh, any other ideas? Anything else you want to throw out there? Um, well, I mean, if you have time, could you uh, give us your thoughts on Gordon Graceffo? <laughs> I love me some Gordon Graceffo. Yeah, uh, what I'll do real fast, Graybush, is I'll tell you thank you for the question, and then I'm I'm actually going to remove you from speaker. Uh, again, thank you very much for moving you from speaker. I'll give my thoughts on Gordon Graceffo, and then we will end this little uh, prospect prospect Macarena. Uh, you know, I I've kind of been on Gordon a little bit since last year. I love his fastball changeup. We know uh, from all the reporting that he can get that fastball up to 100, and it's a high spin pitch. We know his changeup is high spin. Or, well, it's not high spin because it's a changeup, but it's like the appropriate, like perfect spin. It's uh, and that those two pitches alone are enough for him to get by completely dominating high A. Uh, he's beyond the high A level. He, it's, you know, I'm not one to be over-aggressive with, with prospects, but it's time probably to get Graceffo to double A. Uh, they'll probably wait till June, I would think. But uh, look, he's got a slider too that kind of, it has half of the movement of the, of the changeup and like half of the movement of the fastball, but he just doesn't command it as well and he doesn't need to throw it as much at this level. Uh, but we've seen him and I gift a bunch of it we're starting to see him use it a little bit more, and that's a positive. Look, Gordon Graceffo is a major leaguer. If he stays healthy, he's a major leaguer. He's got a quirky delivery that people freak out about, but I'll remind them that if they ignore the fact that he steps backwards and if they pay attention to from the minute he like uh, plants and turns, they'll notice that his all of his mechanics are 
perfectly acceptable. They're, they're perfectly natural. There's not an issue there. Uh, but he is he's a major leaguer if he stays healthy. It's just the, the question will be how quickly the Cardinals push him through the organization because there's a real situation in which they push him through the organization and he gets the Andre Pallante, Ryan Helsley, uh, you know, role where he's pitching in the high leverage of the bullpen as a rookie and then moving on. Now, if that slider continues to develop, uh, then you're talking about, and I, I don't mean this to oversell it or overstate it, but I do personally believe that Gordon Graceffo has a real chance of being, you know, uh, what, what we might traditionally think of as a number two or a number three starting pitcher. You know, uh, somebody who, you know, uh, you know, not, he's not going to be like, I don't think he has the talent of Jack Flaherty. Uh, I think he has deception. I think his fastball uh, changeup is really good. I think that slider is coming along. But I think that if, I just think, I think he's something more than just a guy who should be pigeonholed to a relief role. And I think he's more than just the back of the rotation starter. Um, his stuff is too good. It's too measurable. It's too lively for, uh, for that. So, uh, but yeah, my thought is that he's dominating a level he's too good for. I'm anxious to see what it looks like when he gets to double A. And uh, hopefully that's soon because I think he's up for the challenge. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm probably wrong here, but I think he might even be up for the triple A challenge, to be honest. I just, I'm so impressed with that fastball. And when you, when you do the juxtaposition, when you compare him to Austin Love, who is pretty much all fastball, um, and they're both at the same level right now, that should give you some idea. Now, Austin Love's velocity has been diminished. You know, he can get up to like 96 to 98. But he's been throwing mostly 92, between like 91, 94 kind of in his starts. But, you know, Austin loves fastball as his marquee pitch. Uh, his slider can get some extra play too. But, like, the fastball is his marquee pitch, and he can't get away with nearly half of what Graceffo can get away with. And I think that that helps to paint a picture, a comparative picture, about just how good uh, Gordon Graceffo is and is capable of being. I didn't get to see his start last night. Uh, I'm actually going to fire it up. Uh, and watch that while I'm watching Springfield and the Cardinals tonight. Uh, but that's it. That's all for the Prospect Macarena on May 15th, 2022. Uh, I want to thank everybody for being a part of this. Again, uh, you can uh, re-listen to this on the Birds on the Black Podcast Network or on Charlie Marlowe's YouTube page. Uh, subscribe to that and help Charlie out. Um, uh, if he gets clicks and that money goes to charity, at least on my end, so that's a really cool thing. Uh, give that a bunch of clicks. And, uh, yeah, for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, for Charlie Marlowe, for Cardinals Gifts, uh, for, for Birds on the Black, I am Kyle Reese. Uh, we thank you again for being in this. We love the question asking. We love the participation. Uh, and I hope everybody has a great Sunday night that ends in a Cardinals win. Uh, and as always, family.